vengeance. I am the knight. I am... Matt Lazowitz, and welcome to this week's episode of Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast, where each week my co-host Will Nevin and I dig into three Batman stories, discuss them, and rank them on the big board. That's creating a giant list of Batman stories from best to worst. Will, how are you tonight, my friend? I'm I'm doing all right. I had a busy day, put together another uh, machine for the old arcade, and uh, yeah, it's coming along, coming along. Glad to hear it. Look forward to seeing the photos of it all laid out. Lovely. Got one left that is taking forever because it's a specialty firm doing a uh, doing a multicade, and I know they got a crush of holiday orders and i'm just like just come on just come on get around to it and just give me give me my new toy i want it so i can be done with this but it will be worth it when it is done for it will be lovely and you will be able to play into the wee small hours of the evening yeah absolutely and everything else in my life will suffer for it but that's okay (laughs) That is why I don't do video games very often, because I get sucked into them. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, I haven't done anything other than play this game for the past week, including showering. No wonder even Bess is avoiding me. Damn. But tonight we've got team ups, team ups on deck. Only they're not your average team ups, because tonight tonight it's Batman 66 Meeting other properties. Go wacky, wacky team ups. Yes, it, it's our first fully dedicated 66 related episode. We've only gotten the 166 story on here up until now, right? Only uh, lost episode. Yeah. And um, we could do, I think. Uh, well, maybe not quite, but. We could at least cover one crossover that we're not going to cover tonight. Uh, so we're not doing Green Hornet tonight. We're not doing Green Hornet and we're not doing Archie. That's right. Which one, which was published by Archie. So it's not available on Infinite. I'm sure it's on Comixology. And recently it was on, the trade was on sale on Archie's website. So I got the trade for $2.99 through Archie's website. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, along with some of the Archie Horror trades also for like 80% off. So I was like, when I can walk out with a box of Archie trades, eight trades for 25 bucks, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So they they really did five crossovers and not, not at least six. Six. There's one more. Actually, there's Steed and Peel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we've got at least another episode of crossovers. Very good. Not to mention all of the regular stories as well the, the yeah five trades of that yeah we, we got to figure out how we're gonna do that by trade or by issue because they were all pretty much one-offs yeah yeah i don't think they really did the complicated you know long arcs or anything like that there were some subplots i think that ran through or you know background like i think harley is there as harleen quinzel a few times before she becomes Harley Quinn and some other like things like that. But generally speaking, it's it, they were all pretty much one-offs. We get 66 universe origins of villains who didn't make it into the show. Quite a few, a few of whom we'll see tonight, but that's true. 
Yeah, we get. I know there was Harley, there was Grundy, there was Croc, Ivy, Ivy, Clayface, Scarecrow. The only place there's Two Face is the lost episode. I don't believe Two Face ever shows up in the series. I want to say there's some other like supporting characters who popped up. I see there's some other villains in tonight's episodes that also didn't show up in the series. Characters, one character was obviously introduced long after 66, but yeah. But actually, we'll get let's get to that one first. Because uh. we are starting with Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77. This was a six-issue miniseries written by Mark Andreco and Jeff Parker, with pencils by David Hahn, inks by Carl Kiesel, colors by Mad Pencil, letters by Wes Abbott, and edited by Christy Quinn. The cover dates are March to August of 2017. Follow Batman and Wonder Woman for 30 years as they fight the League of Shadows and its master, Ra's al Ghul. So I think with each of these, we're going to start off with a particular question. What is your familiarity with the property that Batman 66 is teaming up with? What is your familiarity Uh, with Wonder Woman 77? Wonder Woman 77 basically memes. I've seen a handful of episodes, but it was not one that I've watched regularly. So for those of you out there who are just Batman people and have never seen any of Wonder Woman 77, uh, the Wonder Woman series ran for three seasons. The first season was a period piece set during World War II, but that made it almost prohibitively expensive to produce. Oh, I bet. So the network wanted them for season two to move it to the then present of the 70s. And since Wonder Woman is, you know, an immortal Amazonian, that was fine. They recast or, you know, gave her a new supporting cast. But the series moved into the 70s for the last two seasons, which we see a little bit of that here because while the first issue starts out in the present we then go into a two issue or issue and a half flashback to the 40s then two issues in the 60s during the period of the wonder woman series where she had returned to paradise island and then two issues in the 70s which was the contemporary time for the last two seasons of wonder woman now There are a lot of interesting things going on in this book, but I will assume that you had the same moment and the same thought that I did. Where's the spot for you where this entire series comes to a screeching dead stop? I'm assuming we're getting to the point where we kind of go weirdly dark in those last couple issues. We got one moment where it's like record scratch. Wait a minute. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, I can't quite picture Batman 66 ever getting to the point where he beats the Joker to death. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens in this. That was a choice, and I believe it was quite strongly the wrong one my goodness yeah it's so dissident 
to Batman 66. Wonder Woman 77, the episodes I've seen, it's not a particularly dark series. It's much more serious in tone than 66, but it's not a grim dark series. They needed a reason for Bruce to retire. I understand that. And they did a little bit with like Joker as being, you know, the dead bad angel on his shoulder and Alfred being the other one. The The idea here was, and this is this is really only like a handful of panels like they I, they don't they don't go into a lot of depth here. At some point in the past between 66 and 77, Joker learns of Batman's true identity. He invades the manor. Alfred dies uh, of a heart attack. attack. And then straight up Batman beats him to death. And then Batman is like, oh, I'm out of the game. If you wanted the Joker to cause this, and if you wanted the Joker to die, you could do that in a way that is less out of character for Batman. I think especially this Batman. Yes. I think a fight in the cave where the Batman and the Joker are fighting and the Joker falls to his death. And Bruce basically is like, I probably could have saved him, but I chose not to is closer to in character for this particular Batman than him flat out beating the Joker to death with his bare hands. They don't say it, but it's pretty clearly implied that he just lost it and went apeshit on the Joker. Joker could not withstand the rage I had for him is loosely paraphrased of what he said. And I'm like, Jesus, like that just doesn't work for 66 in the comics. Certainly we have to go a few shades darker like you know we see we see Raish in this story and Raish is a, a more serious character um so we have to expand the white knight and how he reacts to things and it has to be a little bit different than the tv show because the tv show is absolutely emotionally flat it's it's a it's cute gags and we got a lot of cute gags here and i was thinking about this we have like a little bit of a of a touchstone in the film right remember bruce has this just absolute animosity rage when he thinks uh that uh what's your face is dead yes that's right like he's just like he hulks out with rage and so it's it's there if you squint but my god beating joker to death was such a bad call and just brought everything to just which is a shame because most of the stuff around it is really good. Yeah. I love the first two issues. The kind of the way I look at it is the episode of Wonder Woman set. Cause it's what it feels like to me is the first two issues or that flashback is an episode of the first season of Wonder Woman. Then you get two issues that are an episode of 66 and then you get two issues that are an episode of Wonder Woman from the latter two seasons, probably the second season. The third season gets real campy. I did some research and it's like, wow. The third season, they like they wanted to bring in the youth mark. It was like episodes about skateboarding and things like that. Like they they really Ooh, were boy. shooting for that youth 
market that didn't work. So it's probably Wonder Woman season one, a Batman 66. It had to be in season three, although the production values would have been so much higher than a season three episode of 66. Mm. And then a season two episode of Wonder Woman 77. But that first, that extended flashback where it's 10-year-old Bruce Wayne at a party or an auction where he meets Talia, where the Nazis and Raish are bidding on these books. And it becomes this battle through the party and the, uh, the hedge maze and the passages in Wayne Manor. It's so fun. And it's so cool to see young Bruce having these like proto-Batman moments. I will say him happening to fall into the cave on that night was a little bit kind of a hat on a hat moment. That was, that was a, a reach. Okay. And, and the thing that I was like, that got me was, boy, the, the, these aren't like Nazi, like fifth columnists. These are friggin' like full on Nazis at this party. These aren't like got their uniforms, right? These aren't like American Americans who are supporting the Nazis. These guys, like you see the, the guy who's bidding against race. And it's like, Wow, that guy is a Nazi out of central casting. He might as well be, you know, fighting Indiana Jones. He's such a Nazi. Oh, what you gonna do when this war is over? I bet you gonna go home and take that uniform off. Yes, I mean, the, the, the cave bit is, it's a hat and a hat, and it's pretty obvious. But I like the, the introduction of the shadows. I like that you see Thomas and Martha. Yeah. Thomas here, you know, he's willing to stand up to the Nazis. He's, you know, a guy that Bruce could look up to. Absolutely. And this is really just a good example of why 66 uh, is so much fun to read in the comics, because there is so much wit here. So just many clever little asides, stuff that doesn't beat you over the head. Uh, like Martha remarks about why are the bats always flying into this window, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, just just a, a little nice little reference to year one or, or you know, the moment of the, the bad and the oath and the whatnot, not necessarily year one. When Batman's describing, you know, his, his encounter with Wonder Woman as a kid, he says, and Robin says something in the present and he said, think clean thoughts, chum, which is that quote <laughs> from uh, for the man who has everything. It's just a little nerd nod to that moment that is so well ingrained. And the other thing that, of course, you can do in a comic that you couldn't ever do on 66 is the unlimited budget. There's wild stuff that they would have killed to be able to do. I mean, bringing them to Paradise Island, fighting a Cyclops and a Griffin, Raish going into the pit as an old man and coming out young. The League of Shadows using magic. Oh, and one of my favorite things in this, Catwoman. <laughs> Which one? Exactly. You. There's a page in the back of the trade where they talk about it. They use all three actresses who played Catwoman. Eartha Kitt shows up at the beginning. Lee Merriweather is on Paradise Island. And Julie Newmar is the reformed Catwoman 
of the the 77 chapter at the end. It's so great. I love that they pay homage to all of the cat women. It's great. And again, could never do that with the, the TV series, but here you can you can get away with it. Uh, but just to talk about the budget, like I think so much about 66 and about how you know you talked about in the third season, like the production values go way down because you know ABC was or wait, it switched networks at some point. Was that the third season on I NBC? I think so. I might have those networks reversed, but anyway. This was a show that cut corners wherever it could. I always like how in every episode they go to City Hall slash police headquarters. They drive up in the Batmobile, they park in front, and it's the same footage in every episode because you can see this little puff of smoke drift across screen in the same direction at the same pace and the same speed. Like... They didn't film a whole ton of this stuff. Uh, they reuse, you know, all of the bat boat and bat plane stuff from the movie whenever they can. Uh, and then by the time we get to that third season, it's just fighting uh, on the same soundstage with a handful of props and set decorations. So, yeah, I like I like putting this in the, the comic world where you can just do whatever. And you mentioned at the beginning the emotional resonance that you got in the movie with Bruce seemingly having real feelings for Catwoman's alter ego of Kitka. You get something similar here with Talia. There are these moments of the two of them sort of looking at each other and Bruce having these if only sort of moments. And this is very much the the Talia of those early Talia appearances who is torn between Raish and Bruce. Raish is, while not necessarily out of character, a little bit more of, definitely more of a chauvinist. Like he says, you know, something about hitting, what not wanting to hit Wonder Woman or hit the fairer sex. I'm like, I never got the impression that Raish al Ghul, who employs his daughter as his chief assassin in the comics, was that much of a chauvinist. I mean, he's a little bit, or a lot bit old world when it comes to, you know, constantly trying to marry her off to Bruce. But she wants to marry Bruce. It's not like he's forcing her to marry. But I just I never got Raish as the, oh, you're a, I'm not going to hit a lady kind of guy. Another interesting thing I thought they did here, they totally wrote around the problem of, oh, gee, when Raish gets out of the Lazarus pit, he's going to be crazy. They just like, oh, that's not how the pits work here. Yeah, they, they avoided that, which I guess works. I also thought it was interesting that Raish calls Batman Crusader, not Detective, which I think is very much in a 66. I mean, yeah, Batman is a detective in 66, but he's the caped Crusader. So having him call him Crusader seems, again, very in keeping with the show. I do like the idea of the white knight in winter, right? Revisiting this world, you know, 10 years down the line. I just, as we talked about, I just don't like how they got there. Oh, and of course, uh, Disco Duck Nightwing was made for this. Yes, yes. The the going with the, the Disco Collar Nightwing in this era is great. 
And Mwah. Babs as Commissioner Gordon with a new female Chief O'Hara at her side. And honest to God shot where she's like, you know, th- you know, even without Bam- Batman, things are okay now. I mean, between Nightwing and our more competent police force. Oh, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Accurate, mm. but shots fired. Mm. Chief O'Hara was was very nice and very Irish, but, you know, not necessarily the best. No, I mean, I think we see it in one of the other stories where something happens and Jim Gordon is just like, oh, my God, the world is ending. <laughs> I wish that Babs had gotten an updated costume, too, in 77. They did start calling her Batwoman. Yeah, so I kind of wish she had a costume more in line with the Kate Kane Batwoman costume. Like a little more black, a little more, just a little more stylized. Like find something in between the 66 Batgirl and the TV Batwoman costume. Not that the TV show was happening then but the tv show costume was pretty much what the comic costume was it's tough because i don't think you can put her in black and then batman still be in blue that's too much of a contrast but you could have you could have done something different you could have gone maybe with something closer to the the red and yellow and black of the kathy kane the original batwoman costume from the golden age i don't know but i, I would like a little bit of updating there yeah and i guess you could have sort of gone off the board and imagined something that would have placed batman between 66 and 89 like some kind of enterprise c of an intermediate step whatever that would be yeah woulda coulda shoulda i guess I do like the end where Raish, you know, decides he's going to expose himself to the pit, even though he's not dying because he, he wants more youth and power. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's now 10 years old. Ah, shit. We guess Arkham is going to need a juvenile wing. Ah, I boofed that one. This is, except for that one particularly discordant note, a solid series. And, I, and we haven't even really talked about, you know, Batman on Paradise Island in the labyrinth fighting mythical beasts alongside Robin, Wonder Woman, and Lee Merriweather, Catwoman. Again, something you couldn't do on the TV show for budget reasons. But here, just go with it. I assume in the television show, they make it a point to flesh out the idea that Wonder Woman is a friend to animals. Yes, that is one of her powers in the TV show, that she can speak to animals. Very good. They've done that in the comics, and I don't know if that was something that predated that, but I know in the Rebirth era, when Greg Rucka did a Wonder Woman year one thing, she had that ability there, which I feel like was a nod to the TV show. This Wonder Woman works pr- works really well with this Batman. There's a, a great splash page where you've got the lyrics to the Wonder Woman TV show theme song playing as she's fighting Killer Croc. Oh, that's fun. Again, they they use all of the little bits that they can to tie the shows in with the comics and keep it going because uh, Mark Draco, who's co-writing this with Jeff Parker, who wrote 
all the nearly all the 66 stuff jeff parker was the writer on the wonder woman 77 comics which there was only a, a couple of prestige formats there so it was a few digital chapters but still there were wonder woman 77 comics and we get an editor's note uh reference to one of them yes apparently yeah. she fights clayface yeah it's like i gotta kind of track that one down what do you think would the george reeves superman be the one that exists in this universe because i feel like christopher reeves superman and i think they established this actually in the recent dark crisis big bang one shot that set the new version of the multiverse but superman 78 and batman 89 exist in the same world interesting so it feels like that would mean superman 50 whatever would be the the version of superman if there was one that would exist in the same universe as this batman and this wonder woman yeah this series does end on kind of like an open question you know maybe we're going to get some kind of justice league kind of deal maybe not so much planning as just uh well we're going to leave the door open in case editorial wants more of this type of stuff because i feel like this was right at the end of them doing 66 material we're we're actually doing i think the last three 66 stories tonight which is a shame because this was like so much fun i loved reading all of the the main series and i was i was bummed out when they phased out the main series in favor of these crossovers which eventually just trickled out yeah it would be you know nice to just do even if it was just a big old prestige format every year that is get different creators to go in and have fun in this world once a year not that i wouldn't mind more jeff parker because jeff parker did a great job with all kinds of artists but i'd love to see just let people go wild in the 66 universe i think that wraps up for this first one last thing that i want to say i gotta appreciate a comic that can make a Smokey and the bandit reference good yes. good shit well, smoking the bandit the best film from 1977 and i will fist fight anyone who thinks otherwise and with that, it means it's time. But Batman meets Wonder Woman 77 on the big board. Okay. We are currently at 207 stories on the big Ooh. board. Number one is Batman Year One, the post-crisis origin of the Dark Knight. Down at number 50 is Batman Huntress, Cry for Blood, the post-No Man's Land retelling of Huntress's origin. And coming in at a sexy 69, it's Batman Legend of the Dark Knight special choices or fears, depending on what you're looking at. Down at 100 is the first Batman, the story of Thomas Wayne wearing a Batman costume. Down at 150 is Death in the Family, the death of Jason Todd. And hey, down at the bottom, Batman White Knight. Yuck. All of these tonight are going to be living somewhere in the very fun, trifly, but enjoyable area. Yeah. Um, and I don't think any of them are better than the lost episode at 30. No, 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 no. These are our 60s, 70s, 80s area. above the Above the midpoint, but out of the essential realm. Yes, but I would say that this 
first one is probably the most essential, but I think whatever, and I, I, I haven't thought about what kind of number I would put on it, whatever number it's going to get, I want to dock it five just for that Joker stuff. Like that is such a sour note. And I like, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. Okay. So let's start here with the question or with the numbers. 79 is another team up. This is Batman, the spirit, which has a 66 ish sort of vibe to it. It's wacky. It's Batman going to a tropical Island where there's the criminals convention and the police commissioners convention at the same time. It is probably not as well written, but is as good as David Hahn's art. And David Hahn's art is very nice. That's Darwin Cook. So it's Mm. next level when it comes to art. I think that sour note definitely places this below Batman the Spirit. Yeah, and... I'm looking at Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at 73 and I feel there was probably more story there. Again, we just said this last week, you know, it's not a very ambitious book, but it's absolutely solid um, and doesn't make the kind of critical mistake that we had here. And I think I would still put something like we have that one, two punch from Mike Barr and Alan Davis with Doomsday Book and Fear for Sale at 81 and 82. And I think those are still better. Pop this in above Justice League Last Ride at 83? Yeah, I think that is a a fair spot for this. So we're Batman 66, Wonder Woman 60, Wonder Woman 77 at our new 83. Our second team up of the night is Batman 66 meets The Man from UNCLE. This is another six-issue miniseries with an almost identical creative team as the one above. Jeff Parker writing, David Hahn on pencils, Carl Kiesel on art, uh, colors by Mad Pencil, and letters by Wes Abbott. Uh, the editors are different with Jim Chadwick, uh, David Pena, and Christy Quinn. Uh, and the cover dates are February to July of 2016. The international criminal organization known as Thrush has freed members of Batman's rogues gallery from the Arkham Institute. And Batman and his sidekicks must team up with members of the international law enforcement agency known as Uncle to stop Thrush's fiendish plan and discover the identity of its newest leader. So again, starting off with the question, how, if at all familiar, were you with the man from Uncle? Oh, not familiar at all, but I'll tell you this. I desperately wanted this book to be Batman 66 meets Get Smart. Mm. Yeah, and Get Smart is a send-up of Man from Uncle and similar shows. I'm trying to decide if that would work or if that would have been too much of a hat on a hat. Look, look, look. I I tell you a gag that would be hilarious, right? Batman thinking Maxwell Smart is like the world's best secret agent the entire time. Okay, yes. And like Robin just looking at him like Batman, like what what's going on here? Like it, right right he's a nice guy, but I don't think he's all that great. Chum. He's an expert. You just don't understand. But but Batman, it, it's clearly all agent 99. No, 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 no. 
he, he's letting her take the lead. <laughs> you know, I occasionally let you drive the Batmobile. It's like that. And it would be kind of great to see Batman in the cone of silence. Again, taking everything super serious. Man from Uncle is not a send up of the spy genre. Man from Uncle is a straight up spy drama. Yeah, I am pretty much unfamiliar with the Man from Uncle. So I will give them credit. They do a really good job of establishing the premise and the characters from Man from Uncle. You know who all of them are, and you get a good vibe for what their world is. The one thing I know about Man from Uncle is that the guy who plays the secondary spy, Ilya Klyarkin, was the medical examiner on the first like 15 seasons of NCIS, David McCollum. Because there's one episode where they make a reference to him looking like Ilya Klyarkin. And my father thought that was the funniest thing. I was like, huh? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That is as far as my knowledge of that show goes. And I have not seen the remake with Henry Cavill and his mustache. But yeah, I mean, it's it's two spies, uh, Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kilyarkin. Kilyarkin or Kilyarin? I Now I keep saying it and I'm like, I, I might have been butchering this name. I will not Kuryakin. be attempting it. God. Ilya Kilyarkin. But he is Soviet. So there is a... For something coming out when it did in the late 60s, the fact that you had an American and a Soviet working together is clearly trying to say something. The villain there, this Thrush organization, was, I guess, from, again, cursory internet research. There weren't really a lot of recurring Thrush agents. So you're really using the Bat Rogues working for Thrush. And with a new-ish to this Bat Rogue as the main Thrush villain. New to 66, anyway. Although it's pretty obvious who it is from the first page that he shows up. Uh, Chekhov's Hugo Strange. Yeah, exactly. And here, the villains who are Thrush agents are a mix of 66 villains, original 66 villains, with Egghead, the Siren, the Sandman, and Olga, Queen of the Cossacks. One crossover villain in Mr. Freeze, and two villains from the comics who only appear in 66 in the comic adaptation in Ivy and Scarecrow, who both made their first appearance in the main series. Now, I don't know if this is what the art team was going for, but the more I saw... Hugo Strange, the more I thought Gary Berghoff. Mm. And I think that kind of would have worked. Like it would have been like totally him doing something, you know, to push against uh, being typecast and that sort of thing. It would have been interesting. Yeah. Huh. I like that. Here's the here's the big question. Who would you cast as Scarecrow? We've already used uh, Milton Berle, right? Yes. Milton Berle is Louis the Lilac. I meant to say Vincent Price. Oh, Vincent Price. Yeah, Egghead. Oh, yeah, of course. Hmm. That's tough. Just as an aside, I, we discussed this back in the Poison Ivy episode that we did some time ago. The fan casting for Ivy is often Anne Margaret. 
and Ooh. that I, I like that, that. works that yeah. works uh like, scarecrow has to be lanky and how about the professor i'll do i'll do a gilligan's island riff huh oh i like that or or do we go flat out see if uh bob denver could stretch his his chops and actually because i mean he's a weird lanky guy that's very true i don't think bob denver ever tried to play scary I'm trying to run through my brain like, okay, Dragnet actors, MASH actors, Gilligan's Island. You know, if you want to, when you say in MASH, Alan Alda. Oh, oh, that would have been good. He's tall. I mean, you know, he can get intense. I actually kind of like, I'm liking that. I'm liking Alan Alda as the scarecrow. Yeah, that would have been good. Very good. You know what crossover I really wish we had gotten to see now that I just because it just popped into my head out of nowhere, but I really, really wish that somehow, some way they could have done Batman 66 meets Columbo and, and found a way to introduce 66 Harvey Bullock to have Harvey Bullock working as Columbo's like partner, rump the rumple trench coat brigade. Oh, and uh one more thing, Batman. <laughs> But yeah, okay, back to the actual comic here. This one feels a little less essential than the Wonder Woman one. This one is very equally split between six between Batman and the Man from Uncle. And the title of the, the miniseries is The Batman Affair, which all episodes of The Man from Uncle were the something affair. That was the naming convention for Man from Uncle's. Oh, as we said before we say anything else, I do have to point out that despite Batman not fighting one, when they go into Thrush's underwater base, there are absolutely sharks circling that base. So I call Shark Watch. Shark Watch? I like a lot of the, the uses of the villains. I like Bruce Wayne gets some good material here even though people think it's Batman in a realistic rubber mask as Bruce Wayne, which is a great touch. Oh, we need to get in somewhere with industrialists. Don't worry, my friend Bruce Wayne called in and let me uh, assume his identity. Yeah, that's what we did. Assume his identity. Oh, but these these rubber masks kind of fall apart when you take them off. Hmm, okay. Another thing they do here, which played on the conventions of the two worlds, is Ilya and Solo have no problem killing henchmen left and right. And here we absolutely see Batman and Robin being like, we don't do that. And Batman sort of being like, no, we're not going to use the atomic battery of the Bat Sub to blow up the underwater base, flood it, and kill everybody. That's not what we do. Which uh, which bumps Solo out. <laughs> yeah, he, there's one panel of him looking very wistful as they head out on the sub and him imagining it blowing up. It's it's kind of mm. great. I thought the brainwashing sessions, the art for those, just great. Yes, that, that whole bit. And Hugo Strange's psychological profiling of Batman and Robin and Batgirl here is 
pretty intense for 66, but all of it works and is logical for the, you know, platonic ideals of those characters. Also, did you see the reference to the movie? Uh, the bat shark repellent spray? Oh, no, no. There's When the bat jet is flying, they had to stop off at an aircraft carrier to refuel. Oh, Commodore, Commodore Schmidt lap. Yep, Commodore Schmidt lap. Of course, a big uh, fan of the Batman. Love it. Oh, I love Commodore Schmidt lap. The only thing better than Commodore Schmidt lap is the penguin impersonating Commodore Schmidt lap. Hugo Strange here is really, he's not a sympathetic villain, but when you get him talking about, you know, what his plan is and this whole thing where he's working with Thrush to use their resources, but he's not a true believer. He wants to make the world a better place through psychology knowing that people don't work together. So him basically wanting to manipulate the world into working together. It's very much a race idea. Yeah. It makes him a much more textured villain than you usually get in 66, which again, is might be a man from uncle thing. Because you, you might be dealing with a series that ha- probably had more complex villains than your typical Batman 66 villain. This is by far the most violent series that we'll get today, which again is definitely taking Man from Uncle, which was a, st- a spy drama. I love that at one point there's a video chat between the Batcave and the headquarters at Uncle, and Robin is so impressed with, you know, wow, video chat. And you know, someday everyone will be able to do this. After three years of a pandemic, it's like, oh, yeah, everyone can do this, can't they? And and that was something they would do in the 66 comics, a, a gag a couple of times. I forget in the first couple of issues, it's, it's something very similar where they're in the Batcave working with some incredible technology. And then we'll just say it's the equivalent of a cell phone. Yeah, no, that again, that's one of the great things about the 66 comics. They had their tongue planted firmly in cheek, but never talked down to the readers. This was never like, hey, isn't this show dumb? Isn't this whole mm-hmm. thing dumb? No, th- this was a loving tribute to this show. Always. This is the story where after the mass breakout of villains from Arkham, Commissioner Gordon is just beside himself in a panic. Oh, Jim. And then, like, the next day, he's at the Wayne Gala acting like nothing is wrong. I like that the the chief of Uncle Waverly, you know, knew Alfred back in their intelligence days. He's my in. All in all, a fun series, but I don't think of the, the various crossovers the most essential. No, because if you're, unless you're a big fan of the man from Uncle, you know, this does have to do a lot of work. And I feel it's about the same as if they tried to do, you know, Batman 66 meets Get Smart. Like you'd have to explain the cone of silence. You'd have to explain Max and uh, 99 and the chief. And like you'd have to do some of their more regular gags. 
And if you're not already deeply invested in that stuff, it's just going to be like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. The closest thing to this being essential to the 66 canon is Hugo Strange. Yeah. If you wanted a full picture of all the stuff they've done in 66, then yeah, the introduction of 66 Hugo Strange as Hugo Strange, because I'm pretty sure he appears as Professor Hugo in the main series a couple times, where again, it was Chekhov's Hugo Strange, where it's like, well, when is this guy going to be revealed as Hugo Strange? Because he's obviously Hugo Strange. Yeah, he appears in three or four issues of the 66 comic and then these crossovers. So they, they set that one up and this is where they, they knock the pins down. Uh, but aside from that, not the most essential of these crossovers, but not bad. No, by no stretch. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, I don't have anything else. So that means it's time to put Batman 66 meets the man from uncle on the big board. Okay, so let's start out with uh, where we stand versus the story we just ranked. Where do we stand versus Wonder Woman? Below Wonder Woman, but not not too much farther below Woman Wonder Woman. You know, a few spots. As you said, there's a lot more heavy lifting and exposition involved here. What do you say to 88 because you've got untold legend of the batman at 87 which is also a lot of flashback and a lot of exposition a lot of exciting because it's basically batman's history over three issues but i think that one is a little more essential below that is year three which is the post-crisis dick grayson origin which is fine but it's not the best version of the origin of Dick Grayson that we've seen on this show. I like it. All right. So our new 88 Batman 66 meets the man from uncle. And one last note, uh, because this was the last note in the book. I really loved ending with the thanks and acknowledgement for uncle. That was just a great, Great way to go out. We wish to thank the United Network Command for Law and Enforcement, without whose assistance this book would not be possible. Yes. That was a, a cute little nod. Good gag. Our final crossover of the night is Batman 66 meets the Legion of Superheroes. This was a one-shot written by Lee Allred and Michael Allred, with art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred, Letters by Wes Abbott and edited by Jim Chadwick. The cover date is September of 2017. The teen heroes of the future, the Legion of Superheroes, arrive at Wayne Manor, seeking help in tracking down their foe, Universo, who's traveled back to the 20th century Gotham. But when Egghead steals one of the time spheres, the Legion must split up with half their team traveling back to the future with Batman to return Egghead, while the other group stays in the present with Robin to find Universo. First up, have you ever read anything with the Legion? No, but I know that there's a Star Trek crossover, and if I could have some grounding and footwork in the Legion, I might be inspired to read that. I'm a pretty big Legion fan. I have not read the Star Trek crossover. I recently found it at a con in a dollar bins for 
all six issues for a buck a book. So it is it is in my to read pile. Hey, that'd be a that'd be a fun bonus episode, it, right? Yeah, I think it would. The thing I like about the Legion is that the Legion is usually a bright future. That's why I think the Legion and Star Trek work because they are both looking at a future that has a warmth to it that in the end things are gonna work out and yeah you know bad shit happens in legion comics you know dark side shows up and enslaves a planet of kryptonian level powered people and they you know destroy a planet or two or that's not good no or you know all the hyperspace gates get knocked out and some of the legionnaires get you know, shuffled off to a region of space that will take them years to get back from, kind of a Voyager vibe there. But in the end, things come back around. You know, the Dominion War happens, and then the Federation rebuilds. The Legion of the Damned arc happens, Legion lost, and then the Legion rebuilds. And it turns out that the president of the United Federation of Planets has been replaced by Rachel Ghoul. First Legion story I ever read. Mm. Or United Planets, not United Federation of Planets. That's a little, yeah, I got a, a little cross brain there. Yeah, that, that was the thing that got me to read the Legion. It's like, ooh, Rachel Ghoul? That, that's your villain to this arc? I'm in. But here we get a very 60s Legion story. I mean, the Legion first appears in a story where they travel back in time to ask Superboy to join the Legion, as he was the hero who inspired the Legion. And we get a little bit of something similar here, where they come back, because, you know, Universo, one of their enemies, has stolen a time sphere and gone back in time, and they are going to the most famous teen hero of the era, which in this case is Robin. And this one is a much shorter more compact story this is just basically a double-sized issue that was very obviously digital first because it's using those those half pages and i think it's very much written for fans of the legion yeah like there is a lot of acknowledgement of legion fandom in here i gotta think that the the alreds are legion fans either the that Mike Allred, who draws this, and his brother Lee, who co-writes it, are Legion people. And the art here, while the the coloring on Wonder Woman seventy seven didn't strike me as like great, but other than that, the the art tonight is is perfectly fine. Here, I love these inks. They they are so strong. They're so vibrant. They're so lifelike. I really like this uh, this take on the world of 66 and these funky like board game layouts you get in that first chapter lots of fun that's a a great page that is batman and the legion and it's brainiac five being kind of a dick and batman proving that detective work and instincts will trump computer learning any day of the week And that's what we get a lot of here. This is a a kind of very typical time travel story where the time travelers are kind of like, look at the rubes. Can you believe the rubes? And both Batman and Robin have to sort of prove that, yeah, 
your technology is great, but we're not hicks. We just because your technology is better doesn't mean we don't have our own way of doing things here. Yeah, we're we're perfectly capable of uh, of dealing with these uh, these adversaries. I'm just noticing as I'm flipping through this, a poor Aunt Harriet got hypnotized. Universo, who his his abilities stem from his hypnostone, and who looks remarkably like Egghead, so they decide that oh, he's Egghead's, you know, great, 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 whatever the number of greats you need to get to to a thousand years. A lot. Uh, grandson is, is the villain. Fun fact, the old DC customizable card game versus when they did the Legion set, the little flavor text on Universo's card was all glory to the Hypnostone, which if you're yes. a Futurama fan is is a delightful reference to the best character in Futurama, Hypnotoad. You're not, you're not big into college football, right? Not particularly. TCU of the Horned Frogs have adopted the Hypnotoad as uh, as a meme mascot. Oh, yeah. That might get me to watch because it's Hypnotoad and I must must watch all things that are Hypnotoad. I always think Futurama should have done an episode of Hypnotoad versus those brain slugs that possessed people. Hey, they might. That's true. We have more Futurama coming. Uh, we live in a weird time where there are new episodes of Beavis and Butthead and Futurama. And Animaniacs. And and the Simpsons still chugging along. Have no fear. They've got stories for years. What if Mo got a cell phone? Marge <laughs> becomes a robot. They made that joke in like season 12. And now we're at season 34. Those poor people. They have to be so tired. Hey, in the immortal words of Krusty the Clown... They drove a dumb truck full of money up to my house. I'm not made of stone. This particular book is littered with Easter eggs. This one has a lot of DC Universe Easter eggs. There's a whole montage where the Legion are talking about all the stories of Robin in the future. And there's like giant turtle boy Robin and all these transformations that were like Jimmy Olsen or Superboy transformations. And you get into the the future with the science museum. And there is a history of space armor. And it's all the science fiction heroes of the DC from the 50s and 60s. You got Adam Strange and Captain Comet. So very frustrating. For the for the benefit of listeners out there. Matt just gave up on trying to figure out um, who the space heroes through uh, time were. It was a very frustrating experience. And I, I, uh, this I is found one of them. Number three is the Space Ranger, the one in yellow and orange. Oh, that's that's a pull. Yeah, no, the, these guys are all, with the exception possibly of Adam Strange, really deep cuts. And I will continue to try to figure out who they are, but not right now because it is pushing 11 o'clock and my brain is, is mushy. But well, you got anything else to add? I like this book. I think it is fun. It is putting the 66 characters in 
a supremely science fiction setting, which is not something we get in any of the other crossovers. I mean, Wonder Woman is a fantasy one, but even then, a lot of that is a little more grounded. This has grounded in Nazis. Yeah. This one has Batman in the far future using a flight ring fighting Egghead, who is trying to steal bomb eggs. It's wild. And then when you get back to the present, you've got, you know, all the, the few Gotham characters who have survived being hypnotized, which include, you know, Solomon Grundy and Shame. And you gotta come back, Shame. <laughs> which is fun. Chief O'Hara gets his hair messed up. Yes. By two random kids who keep wanting to shave people's heads, who there's gotta be a joke there that I don't get. A bookworm, Hatter, uh, the Eartha Kit, Catwoman, they're all there. It is the trifliest of trifles, but it is a fun trifle. And if you're a Legion fan, you'll appreciate the Legion. It's an odd collection of Legionnaires. Because you got a founder in Saturn Girl. You've got some of your early Legionnaires with Chameleon Boy and Brainiac 5. You've got Shadow Lass, Pharaoh Lad, who is obscure, isn't the right word, because he's referenced regularly. But Pharaoh Lad was the first Legionnaire to die and was an early character in comics to have died. And you've got Phantom Girl, who is really Princess Projectra in disguise, which I love how they both Batman and Robin deduce that. And the Legion are like, how did you do that? It's like, well, we're detectives. We <laughs> observed things. We observed the fact that her her pupils didn't dilate in altered light, meaning that there's something going on because of an illusion. And also her shadow doesn't match what we're seeing. Probably should work on that. Yeah, it's a big giveaway there. A little bit, a little bit. I, I was trying to think, I mean, Universo is not one of the Legion's most important foes, but I don't think any of the other ones, like the Legion of Supervillains and the Fatal Five are both a little kill crazy for the world of 66. Universo, the hypnotist, is probably a good choice because he's not mm. as violent an offender. Yeah, that I think that is a good pick for what you got going on here. And again, there's a lot of like wacky Legion references, things like the Time Trapper is referenced. You see more Legionnaires when they travel into the future, just like one panel. And again, the art here is is top notch. I mean, Mike Alred did, if not all, most of the covers to the 66 main book. He's known for that, you know, 60s style, that those fun flashbacky sort of things throwbacky kind of things with madman and mod art and if you've never read it he co-wrote and drew a incredible graphic novel graphic biography of david bowie that's so good Ooh, yeah yeah him and uh writer steve horton who dan and i had on wmq it's really good uh bowie came up in trivia tonight really yeah, as the founder of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Long-Haired Men. Huh. Whatever that was about. You learn something new every day. 
Uh, yeah, now I think I, I've run through all my notes. I certainly don't have anything left as someone who is brand ass new to the Legion of Superheroes. So that means it's time to Batman 66 meets the Legion of Superheroes on the big board. So what are we thinking? Best art of the night, despite David Hahn's work on Wonder Woman 77 and Man from Uncle being really, really strong. This is is the strongest art. Can't beat the All Reds. No. It's not as is as meaty as either of the other two when it comes to its story. But again, a one-issue prestige format versus a six-issue miniseries. Uh, let's see. If Man from Uncle came in at 88, uh, what would you think about somewhere 95 to, we'll say, 105? Yeah, uh, I th- you know what? I think smack dab in the middle there. Well, I think 100. Because I like 99, Larceny My Sweet, that Clayface issue of Batman Adventures. Uh, below that is Fool's Errand, the Joker story where he convinced the guy in the cell next to him to kidnap a little girl, which as a meteor. Oh, dark. Yeah, meteor plot, not as good, not as solid art. But and also, it's the Alreds. You're, you're rarely going to run across as solid art. But I think 99, that Larceny My Sweet has a real emotional punch with the, the whole thing with Clayface wanting, clearly wanting to be more human and Summer Gleason's sad revelation in or non-revelation in the end when she doesn't meet him. I like that that punch. This has nothing like that to it. Yeah, I think our new number 100. And that does it for tonight. Uh, next week, it's another thrice told tale as we read three f- versions of Batman's first encounter with the Joker. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers, Dan Grote, June, Conduit of Outdated Joke Names. June, come on. Josh Wheel, Mrs. Abigail Hartbaum. Mm-hmm. Asimov Fangirl, Tony Thornley, Sam Hopper, John Wickham, Robert Secundus, Bye-bye, two bucks. Tim Rooney, and Giorgio Sergioli for their support. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Batchet Comics, and the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes drop every Thursday. You can support the podcast on Patreon, you can get shout-outs, bonus content, pick a story, and even come on the show. If you want to hear more of my ramblings, mostly about the three C's, comics, cinema, and cats, you can follow me on Twitter at MattLaz1013. And I'm at Will Nevin. I'm also out of here. Good night, Huntsville. And be sure to visit ComicsXF at ComicsXF.com or at ComicsXF on Twitter for our weekly Friday Bat Chat Roundup of new Bat Books. For my other show, WMQ&A, my longtime best friend, Dan Grote, and I interview comics creators, retailers, publishers, journalists, and other related tradespeople, as well as all the other stuff Will and I are writing. And stay safe out there, folks. Gotham is not a place to be after dark.